Say sure the music explorers podcast. I'm Elaine. As always, I'm Scoot Magoo. And everything is in its right place. You can try the best you can. Ice Age coming, Ice Age coming, uh, etc. etc. We're talking about fucking Kid A, man. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> I have a, uh, a bowl of lemons that I've been sucking on preparing. Yep, for... and, and you know, all day I, I've had just two colors in my head. Uh, you know, it's just, it's the damnedest thing. <laughs> this this isn't happening. Oh, I know. Hey, no. that, that's I know. So a- anyway, oh, um, yeah. So we, um, our, our latest, our latest thing as of late has been to, uh, you know, pick up a couple books about music and read them and talk them about them here. And uh, it just so happens that uh, Kid A's 20th anniversary is was just in October. And uh, so there was actually a book about Kid A that we found uh, and we're like, why the fuck not? Uh, but we're also making this kind of just a Kid A episode as well. Um, you know, so I thought we would talk first just briefly about our own experiences with the album. Uh, I don't... I feel like this is so obvious already, but if you haven't gotten any of this so far, we're talking about Radiohead's album Kid A. came out in 2000. Uh, it's probably the most polarizing album of their career. Uh, unless you count the retroactive hate towards Pablo Honey. Um, but... Which that uh, is, I'm looking forward to talking about that because I just that is one of the most fascinating. We always talk about that. that that's like career. one of those things that we always end up talking about is it's Kanye and Pablo Honey. Because um, it's, it's so, <laughs> Dude, it's so both I, of them are interesting. Th- that's the next Neil C. Sarika ma- mashup is is Kanye and Creep together. Jeez, oh, I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> finger fucking mouth moves. That, that that's what he's gonna call it <laughs> next time. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so, uh, yeah, let's just talk about our experience with Kid A first, and then we will get into this book. Uh, Scott, why don't you talk to me about sort of your experience with Radiohead, Kid A, etc. Yeah, so it was, it was kind of a, an interesting um, coincidence. I, I just, it was early freshman year, um, and I had just kind of been getting into, you know, the whole, uh, you know, I've talked about it before that, you know, I just, when I was trying to get into like real music, shake my deathcore, metalcore phase, I went to like Pitchfork primarily, just, you know, their best albums of whatever. And, you know, as um, uh, Stephen Hyden talks about in this book, you know, Pitchfork was played a pretty instrumental part in, you know, they were the early apologists for Kid A. Certainly, you know, in comparison to other publications at the time. Uh, so just seeing how prominently they talked about this album, the fact that, you know, they gave it a 10, you know, they you know, put it at the top of their best albums of the 2000s. I was like, you know, I really got to get get into Radiohead. Uh, and I went to Newbury Comics with a, a friend at one point, and they had uh, a box set for, I think it had every album up until... I think King of Limbs was the last one in that box set. If I remember right, I don't think though. I think I because I I think I have a look. It, it's it's a different because they're all formatted the same. Like they all the covers look the same. It's uh, yeah. Oh geez, what what's uh, 
was the one in after Amnesiac. Amnesiac. Oh, uh, uh, Hail to the Thief. Yeah, it stopped the Hail to the Thief, and then also it had you know Pablo Honey, the bands, okay, the kid. But then it also had a, a live album that they um, they did around around the Amnesiac Kid A period. Um, and so I saw it. It was it was pretty cheap. It was used, and so I said, hey, like you know, I guess this is a sign. I'm trying to get into. Um, you know, trying to get into Radiohead, might as well start here. Uh, and and I didn't start in order. I think partially because Pablo Honey has the reputation it does, um, and, and, and the most amazing cover of their entire I, career. I know. Um, and I think it was because of of, of the acclaim that Kid A received that I started there. And it was it was pretty it was pretty immediate. It just I mean it, for me. Everything in its right place. Just it, it, it's hard not to Everything. just kind of get, get stopped. I mean, just <laughs> even the even the opening chords for me are just so. Every yeah. time I put on the album, it still still kind of grips me a little bit. Just just me, me hearing too. that. Um, and then the fact that there's you know there's a relative amount of, of variety on this. It feels like a musical journey. Um, I mean, every song. Like, I, I, there's not a song in here I dislike. I was really taken aback by how much. I liked it because I, I was used to kind of having a little bit of a learning curve with the, the quote-unquote accepted like indie blogosphere albums I was getting into. Uh, like I put it on and I, I would kind of see why it was acclaimed, but I still had that, you know, kind of lizard brain or like gorilla brain, whatever you want to talk about. Just like, where are the breakdowns, man? Um, but <laughs> just just the, the way that they use space and atmosphere and it was just such a beautiful... And I just, I loved everything about it too. You know, we talk a lot about the impact of cover art and just the, the, uh, the beauty of, of the layout and, and the cover specifically, it just felt really transportative to me. Um, and I revisited it, you know, in, in the lead up to this episode and it really is striking when you listen to, um, listen to the albums in sequence. I think... I remember OK Computer being more experimental than it is for some reason. I of these albums, I still I listen to Kid A most regularly. Um, you know, of the albums, I've listened to it the most. But for some reason, I remember OK Computer being having a lot more tie-ins to Kid A than it does. And I, I, I'm sure when this was released, it was a huge shock. You know, just just how yeah. different, how much they abandoned their sound. Like I, I guess I I didn't remember. Okay, computer being as much of a '90s rock album as it is, like definitely they have their own voice, they have their own flavor, but still at its core, it's a '90s rock album, you know, Brit rock album. So, in hindsight, Kid A is not the most experimental, mind-bending bending album I've heard, but certainly for the time and in terms of sheer quality, this this is definitely has remained one of my favorite albums, at least of the the 21st century, or, or one of the, you know better contemporary albums. Uh, interestingly enough, I found myself n not enjoying OK Computer as much as I recall. I mean, I liked it, but I, I, I think it pales... I think because it does have... It, it starts leaning somewhat in the direction that you would expect for Radiohead, whereas, personally, mm -hmm. I prefer The Benz because I feel like The Benz is more squarely in, um, in that kind of 90s, like the rock... Uh, arena, whereas yeah. OK Computer is trying to be a little bit more pensive, a little bit more experimental, but it just doesn't hit exactly what 
Kade did. And I don't know if I've listened to Amnesiac in a really long time. I also didn't really care for Amnesiac. This is the first time I listened to it in quite a while. I found it a little bit dull. Like it had it had the kind of the brooding um, atmospheric qualities of Kid A, but was just a little bit lacking in variety and just not as intriguing to me. Um, I, I stopped there. I, I need to put um, I need to listen to Hail the Thief again. Uh, he he does talk about Stephen in this book. He does talk about Hail the Thief, but primarily he focuses he, on. He, he talks about every album actually, uh, like very briefly sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, like he, the he bulk, the bulk of it. Them. Yeah, bulk of it was talking about kind of the lead up to Kid A and Amnesiac, um, and I, I did like yeah. that he talked about their full discography. It was interesting to read because a lot of um, rock retrospect. Like I remember in, in college, I took a history of rock and roll class. That definitely the textbook was a little dated. You could tell like when they the artist they cut off on was was maybe early early to mid two thousands. But I liked that this was contemporary looking back and. It was interesting to, uh, as we'll dive into, it, it helped my listening to think, to listen to it as really the groundbreaking album it was at the time. And I mean, it still sounds fresh, it still sounds unique, but it really, listening to it this time around, I gained even more of an appreciation of just how out of left field this album was. You know, just listening to OK Computer and Kid A back to back, you know, just casually on my boombox, you know, knowing all the context it was quite jarring. So I can't imagine someone who had just been religiously listening to Radiohead for all this time, suddenly putting on Kid A and getting what they got. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, I, I from there, just to wrap up, I, I have enjoyed their most recent offerings. I thought Moonshade Pool was really, really great. Um, haven't spent as much time with the other Radiohead albums, I think because I just love Kid A so much. And Moonshade Pool was the first album that came out while I was, you know, it was new to me. Like when I st- yeah. started getting into Radiohead, every other album had already you know already come out. Um, but now I really want to dive more into um, the rest of their discography. I really enjoyed listening to those four albums I mentioned for the first time in a while. And yeah, I mean, I think that I think that I can understand why some people think that they're overrated. But I also think overrated is an interesting term because it's not necessarily an artist's fault that they're overrated. But it's mm. also something that we it's something we frequently use as a critique of them. Even though it's you know they they aren't really responsible for rating themselves, but yeah, um, yeah, and I, I, I know, unless you're like Morrissey, <laughs> yeah, if, you know if if they're very pretentious and kind of yeah, like, if you're like a smug negative. asshole, but exactly. Um, but I know um, that you you had a you know I have had a firsthand view to your t- t- tumultuous relationship, yeah, and yeah. so I, I'm I'm curious to hear you recap it. <sighs> okay, so where to even begin? I think. Uh, I mean, radio. I, I when it comes to like Radiohead and Muse, because for some reason people always want to compare them. I sort of started off with Muse, and I remember a friend of ours in college was really into Radiohead, and I just did not understand why. And I remember uh, listening to OK Computer, and then texting you and being like, "This is garbage," <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and I, I even text, and he's like, like, and you're just like, oh, let me listen to it. And so you're like, oh, I actually really like this. <laughs> and uh, so, but uh, I specifically remember I tried to put on OK Computer once while uh, driving, and I ended up get, I ended up scraping somebody's car as I was parking. <laughs> so I've always had like a very like negative connotation with that album for some reason. 
so for a long time radiohead really was like that overrated band because i I really didn't understand why everybody thought they were like you know these like gods of like avant-garde kind of Mm. um and just like sort of that like I think what really bothered me was, like, sort of the infallibility of it. And, I mean, this was before King of Limbs, I think, where a lot of people were like, yeah, this isn't that great. But, um, anyway, like, you know, it it just, like, what bothered me was more the perfection that people placed upon them. Uh, So, I was not a Radiohead fan for a very long time. And I think only, like, the past few years, actually, have I really gotten to, like, actually really love them. Um... But Kid A was the album for me. It was the album that mm-hmm. changed my my opinion on the band, like without a doubt. And uh, you know, it it wasn't like it was immediate. I think, but I really grew to like love Kid A, and I ended up buying you know the rest of their discography except for um, the Benz and Pablo Honey because, frankly, I just don't need to listen to those albums more than I already have. Uh, which <laughs> I, 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 it, it's like, th- that's the thing. It's like, do, neither of those albums is bad. I, I really don't think that they're as bad as people make them out to be, especially Pablo yeah. Honey. But I, I, that being said, I really have no interest in listening to either of those, even though I, I will admit, I actually really like Creep. I think Creep's an awesome song. Um, yeah, but I agree. yeah, but, but I, I just don't really want to listen to either of those albums, uh, especially when I can listen to OK Computer or Kid A or, you know, my, my personal favorite probably out of all of them is In Rainbows. Uh, I Because it was, yeah, it was Kid A and it was also the song uh, Nude off of uh, In Rainbows that really, really got me into Radiohead. Like, Nude is such a great fucking song, dude. Um, it, it, it just, like, stops me in my tracks every time I hear it, frankly. Mm. Um that's just Kid A for the most part. So, yeah, I, I really, I, th- this was definitely a game changer for me listening to it for the first time, which was, you know, a few years ago now. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I guess you would call me a Radiohead fan because, uh, you know, I, I, as much as I'm kind of reluctant to sort of place myself within that label, um, I'm definitely there <laughs> because I just, I really enjoy their music. Uh, I've been on a huge Radiohead kick as of late, actually. Uh, not even in preparation for this album, just because. Uh, I just find myself listening to, like, Idiotech over and over again and, like, just putting on random albums. Uh, this, the track Full Stop off of uh, Moonshade Pool is is a track I've, I've grown to love a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just... It's been a fun ride. So, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah I do. I, I mean, yeah. What, it's what definitely uh, um, especially the way that your music listening has progressed. I, I thought it was somewhat a matter of time. I mean, maybe not their entire discography, but I felt like it was a matter of time until yeah it click it clicked for you. Uh, but it, I, it is interesting. No, go ahead. Oh, I think I have this theory that like the only thing keeping us back from list from liking all music is just our own sort of attachment in a way like I, I feel like the more we're able to kind of let go of our own personal bs i feel like the more music will like the more things will grow to like love basically because mm-hmm. like i i mean you know if if you had talked to me like even a decade ago you know and said oh hey these are the bands you're gonna like now like 
I would not believe you, you know, just because you'd be like, what, these pretentious douchebags, like, you know, or, or like, really, I'd be listening to jazz. Come on, fuck that. <laughs> you know, because it's like, I was all about like Metallica and like Lamb of God and shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, it is interesting to look back, as I've talked about. Um, yeah. And, and the styles that I never thought I would listen to and the styles that like I figured, oh, I can never live without and just... oh. The total um, flip there. I, I also just want to add in, because you, you were saying that, like, you, you sort of thought that Kid A and OK Computer were extreme, much more different this time around than you originally thought. It's mm. funny, because I, I, I've started thinking the opposite, that they're closer together than I think... Oh, interesting. ...than critics have let on, or at least the, that the critics think. No, it's, it's not to say that there aren't, like, tracks that are really out there. I mean, Idiotech, Everything in its Right Place... Uh, the title track are all like really fucking out there uh, for Radiohead, you know, especially after OK Computer. But like, you know, in Limbo, uh, I'd argue, but I, obviously Optimistic are like, you know, pretty, you know, par for the course Radiohead like songs, honestly. Even even Morning Bell, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, um, you know, are just like, it, 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 they almost sound like they were from the okay computer sessions but like judged up in that kid a style if, yeah if you, you know what I, mean? I think i think i think that's a good way to put it yeah, it, yeah. Like, like you know i it i i don't want to discount the fact of how you know radical a departure of kid a was but i i still don't think it's as radical as i think they make it out to be like it's it's not like you know it, it, it's not like sergeant pepper you know where like you know the beatles have gone from like you know joyous pop boys that like all the girls swoon over to just like Stockhausen referencing motherfuckers you know <laughs> yeah I, I mean I think what, what, for me it was uh, I mean I still think there's there's a pretty you know there's a pretty clear jump even if there are some you know yeah. moments that I could, I could see linked but I, I, certainly at the time um, I could see how people would find it, it truly jarring yeah, um, yeah. so but I, also I guess it, 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 oh what were you gonna say? But, and I guess you know we'll probably talk about it a little bit more when we talk about the book. But just it, it's fascinating to me the point that um, Haydn makes about how the reception of their discography has has really starkly flipped in the you know in the time since these albums were first released. Um, and I just I found that really really fascinating because the reviews that he put in his book and and um, just like how he outlined the reception of the first few albums of their career is is really jarring it was really surprising that but I, I guess you know in a way not not so much but you know given how you know i think the early metal albums were panned and now they're considered you know part of the you know accepted as part of the regular yeah you know music canon um but it's just it's it's so crazy to me that people um the way that it's changed because before we depart from from their discography i, I really do think that Pablo Honey is unduly hated. I mean, it, it, it is it is exactly what it is. You know, it is definitely a product yeah. of its time. It sounds really dated, but it's it's. I mean, I think the Benz is a better version of like if if you are like a secret Pablo Honey stan, uh, I think the Benz is just <laughs> a better ver a better version of that '90s Brit pop sound, but. I, I mean, it's it's just it's it's what do you, what do you expect? There were a ton of bands doing that at that time. They came up in that scene, and eventually they did differentiate themselves. But 
I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. But I think it is just because yeah. of how how music discourse changed in the 21st century, which you know Haydn talks about that, that the reason that that flip happened. Um, yeah. So speaking let's of just Haydn, dive into this book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think first of all, it, it's worth. I I, I kind of want to talk about sort of what this book is, if that makes sense, if you get what I mean, because yeah, it, this. This isn't a biography of Radiohead, and this isn't like one of those thirty-three and a third books where, like, you know, you have someone going over an album meticulously. It, yeah. It's it's kind of like it, it's sort of like all both of those and a memoir, kind of all put together. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's... that in itself leads to um, some odd moments. I, I I found anyway when I was reading it. Um, yes, and, you know, I, 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 think... I will say, just to interject real quick, I, I was, yeah. to kind of support what you were saying, I was a little surprised at how this, you know, unraveled. And, you know, there are kind of some, some pros and cons to that. But just, just, yeah. just to, as a starting point, I agree that this isn't, this isn't exactly how I thought this book was going to go. Um, yeah, the, but, that being, yeah. and it, there's also a lot of just cultural discourse as well. Just, um, mm-hmm. you know, Haydn really going into sort of uh, the thematics that Radiohead had brought forth in OK Computer and arguably Kid A and sort of how those have progressed and sort of how he's seen those themes sort of pop up during the last 20 years. Uh, you know, and so it, it's it's definitely an amalgam of a lot of different things. And so, you know, you, mm-hmm. you end up getting a little bit of mixed results. Um, I also, I, I think it's interesting also that this is actually, d- despite what I've just said, is probably the best biography of Radiohead that you can find right now, because they don't, there aren't any, there really aren't a ton of books on Radiohead, which I find fascinating. Uh, like you know, like Alice in Chains example has been around, uh, I think a little even like like a little longer than um, Radiohead, and they have a book out. You know, it's it's just it's very strange to me that like really the only thing you see with radiohead books are like you know these uh like cultural theses by people like it's yeah. it's not really like a biography of the band or like a memoir or anything which i i can understand the memoir part of it because i i feel like those guys are much more into just making music but you know it, it just it's still really strange that someone hasn't been like hey i'll make a biography about radiohead <laughs> like it doesn't yeah, even have to be official either yeah, yeah, it's interesting because uh-huh. I think uh, you know on the one hand you you could say like oh well you know as he you know Haydn details in this book not exactly the most um, giving interviewees in terms yeah. of like great oh, great yeah. content but 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 at the same time you know he he I don't think he interviewed them for this book no he as he far didn't. as I can I tell. Mean, he... I, I, everything was was lifted from previous interviews, and I I actually um this was kind of unreal, but I ended up watching um meeting people is easy the other day too, uh which you can actually watch it for free on Radiohead's website if you so choose, uh and for those who don't know it's a documentary covering uh parts of the OK Computer tour, um hmm. and it's it's a very stark look on how uh touring. You know, can just destroy five nice boys from Oxfordshire. So, <laughs> yeah, I certainly have absolutely um, no desire to ever. Not that I'm in a position to. I have no desire to ever 
tour in that regard. Yeah. Sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, especially after watching that thing, I mean, they were just like, so, so tired. You know, you could just see it in their eyes. Uh, <laughs> gotta feel bad for them in a way, but so back to this book. Um, here's the thing is like, I, you know, I, when I started this, you know, what, reading the introduction and like the first chapter, I was like, oh, I like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into almost because mm-hmm. there are parts of this book that Haydn just seems to want to really editorialize and really overanalyze Kid A, mm. you know, to the point and, and sort of add his own like sort of political agenda almost to it, you know, you know, just sort of these, you know, like sort of these these general tropes that are going around nowadays that that you know, like the, this this recent one, uh, which I guess he's kind of spearheading in a way. Um, you know, the idea of, like, oh, Kid A predicted 2020, kind of. Uh, which, to, to be fair, he does not say that. He, doesn't, he does not actually say that, uh, you know, but it's it's heavily implied in, in a way. Though, I, I guess this was written before COVID, so, um, you know, it, it's definitely... It, it's just, I, I, I personally just can't stand that narrative of, like, oh, yeah, this is this album is all about how everything is bleak and maddening and you know things like that because it's mm-hmm. like i i, I mean we, we can talk about this later but i personally uh you know like I, I i can see what he's talking about in these albums especially like i think okay computer is very on the nose with some of his themes i mean that that, that one track was it um smarter every day or something like or what, what whatever the one with the robot voices you know um they, it's just going on and on and on about you know uh like all these like platitudes i don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that track or not but i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty sure that's a, almost positive that's okay yeah like here. happier yeah. stronger <laughs> working out three times a week you know yes yeah um, I'm, I'm, i don't remember the track but i'm almost positive that yeah yeah it, anyway so it's fine because i i, I haven't I have mixed up with faster better stronger from from, the, from yes, Daft Punk. Honestly, that was my like in re-listening to it, you know, leading up to this episode. That was my exact thought. Is I was like, this reminds me of Daft, Daft Punk. <laughs> That's funny. And my um, extension, but... Kanye West. Get it full circle. All right. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, anyway, like, uh, my point was just more that like, while there is that political side that definitely comes up in a lot of Radiohead, um. I, I just personally like I I just don't know why, like I don't know, like I personally listen to music to enjoy it, and it just seems like Haydn sometimes listens to this thing to just be miserable, <laughs> and to become scared and fearful, it, and it's just like just seems very antithetical to kind of the whole the whole notion of of art and expression almost. Uh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> But yeah, I, 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 I mean, I think, I think people listen to, I mean, I kind of have a version of this, well, maybe not a version, but a branch of this conversation with, um, growing up with my parents, they asked, you know, why do you listen to metal? Or like, like, why, why do you listen to music that's angry or sad or, or stuff like that? And it's like, you aren't happy all the time. Like you, you don't, you don't feel any one emotion all the time yeah so i but, but, I, but, but I like having... i would say that there's I, I i'm arguing more just that there's a sense of enjoyment that comes from music and art and it doesn't seem like he's like 
it, it he just it, it almost seems like a uh, it, it actually seems more like that parent argument that it's like why are you listening to this music that's sad and it's just like it, it's enjoyable <laughs> but, yeah, but but he yeah. just seems to just point it out just straight as just sad and scared and paranoid yeah i, I think just for, for me it, it's a bit of a um, I guess association in a way, I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, but like, you know, I, it's, it's not necessarily that like I only listen to certain kinds of music when I feel certain ways. It's just, I like feeling the, the spectrum of, uh, I mean, it's, it's like you don't only eat, you know, one kind of food or you don't only, you know, yeah. go to see certain kinds of movies. Uh, and, and I think obviously, you know, like you, you're not as, as invested in, in politics as obviously Haydn is, you know, maybe for yeah. him, that's, that's, interesting um you know to yeah to a, a cultural I, I definitely analysis. i mean i like I I, think i'm reading not gonna a book discount like this yeah i think reading a book like this is bad i mean I, i'll say that you know whenever i listen to um unless it's i would say conscious hip-hop it, it's pretty difficult for me not to engage with the politics of, of what's being said yeah lyrically but for the most part with music i, I don't um i like picking up on lyrics but for me I really pick up on lyrics on albums I listen to a lot. And over time, it'll start to kind of click with me what's being said. It'll, it'll click with me kind of what, what every, every which, you know, what, what everything that's being said means. Um, but, I mean, the interesting thing about Kid A and something that Haydn comments on, which, which I think is important, is the fact that the, you know, the 21st century and the, the events that kind of mark the 21st century um, being very obviously uh, clustered around 9-11 and um, the, you know, even though it is political, the, you know, Bush v. Gore, that, that was a yeah. huge turning point. That was, that was one of the kind of a, a milestone in American history. And then obviously the, the conflicts that arose from 9-11, uh, you, you know, and obviously the, whether or not those conflicts were just, um, those all happened after Kid A was, release and I, I think that that you know in some ways you could say oh so maybe it's it's a false narrative to say it's a 20 you know it, it's an album tied to that time but i think in some ways it's almost not necessarily saying that radiohead or kid a were predictive but just that the album and the mood that people gravitated towards at that time um that fit the mood was kid a like they were able to select from the available music and media around them that album to kind of you know people to to fixate on as, as a means of um you know kind of coping with or just something that that summarized how they were feeling and, and I, I yeah i kind of like that angle only because i think that sometimes music or art that arises from specific events and i know this isn't perhaps the best example but i think that the a lot of the media that's sprung out of the, the Trump administration and has tried to not not from their you know you know what I mean that has yeah. in response to the administration a lot of it has been very cringy to to say yeah. to say the least it's been it's been to talk about on the nose it's it's literally breaking the nose in two um, oh it's yeah just so <laughs> it's just it, it's not subtle it's and by extension it's not fun to listen to because you know talk about analyzing while you're listening it's just it's kind of hard not to um, yeah so I, I like the fact that. It really, in in some ways, in some ways maybe subtly or like unintentionally predictive, 
Uh, I certainly the the marketing tactics around the album I think were incredibly forward thinking. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I I definitely I appreciated that context of just how much this just happened to sonically embody what people were were feeling at that time, especially people in the. Um, when I think about the target audience for this kind of album, I think of people who watched the Daily Show religiously during the Bush administration. That was just kind. Of, that was kind of my my thought. You know, like the opposition, so to speak, um, mm. and just like that kind of people, like young young people, just kind of looking for answers and just kind of trying to to find um, you know an informative but palatable, or you know, kind of a meaningful but palatable version of of, of some kind of hope or whatnot. Um, yeah. I, that was kind of a know, rambling answer I, to what you said, but I'm, I'm curious to hear where you want to go from there. I, I just, um, I, I think that was kind of my, one of my biggest criticisms with the book is just like how sort of he, I mean, the, like, it, believe me, I, I'm actually in agreement with a lot of what you said, just that like, you know, he really does a good job of sort of developing, you know, in his, his thoughts on this, that like, you know, how this album manages to capture, you know, uh, sort of the collective, you know, uh, emotions of, of the zeitgeist at the time, mm-hmm. you know, like, but it's just like, it felt like he was overanalyzing it on a very big level and never really, um, wanted to admit it. And I actually have quotes mm-hmm. like at the beginning of the entire book, he says, uh, well, he, he basically, uh, he has this little paragraph that's like, oh, is it possible I'm taking Kid A too seriously? It's not possible. It's certain. And then he proceeds to pretty much ignore that exact statement <laughs> yes. for the rest of that paragraph, yeah. um, which is just like, so what was the point of even saying that if you're just going to be like, you know, like, there, there, there's, you're just like, oh, but, you know, and he does... Um, <laughs> He kind of does the same thing in, um, you know, later on when he's talking about like um, room was it room two thirty seven or um, mm-hmm. the, the, that shining documentary that he talks about, uh, mm-hmm. which I actually really want to watch at some point because it it sounds super interesting, um, but like you know he's talking about like how like these people are are you know inter- like analyzing the shining so much that they have this narrative that like just seems completely out of whack and like i want to say the same thing for him almost because he just focus it, it it just feels like at times he's kind of editorializing it and like he's really looking into it way too far um but that being said i i actually enjoy the book overall so you know take it as you will um <laughs> yes i i I, I, I found a lot of, you know, just the historic parts of it, you know, like where he's actually talking about what the band's up to, what time York is up to, uh, their general thought process on the time, you know, what instrumentation they're using, methods of creating their music, you know, things like that, talking about their, you know, the subsequent albums that came out and sort of their reception and their comparison to Kid A. Like, I loved all of that. But when he, whenever he brought in sort of his own, you know, stuff, it was just like, I, I didn't think it was bad, but it, it was just like, compared to the history of it, just kind of bland and just uninteresting to me personally. 
Yeah, and I think the best way to sum this is kind of where I landed when I was reading, you know, how kind of the best summation of how I felt. Um, I loved the first person account of that yeah. time because you know I, I was you know I was alive during you know I was born I was born in nineteen ninety four, uh, you know yeah. I was alive when nine eleven happened. I was alive when all these things happened, but I it wasn't until much much later that kind of the gravity of. Um, even you know, putting aside you know the actual gravity of series events like nine eleven and and war in Afghanistan, Iraq, um, but also just kind of the, especially you know living pretty much growing up, uh, I would say all of my real music listening, like serious music listening, happened in the streaming era. It was very early, you know, when you know Spotify was was the new thing. But it, that's kind of what I'm around or at least you know when I was younger like iTunes like digital media is very much a part just a normal part of music consumption for me but just the idea of streaming album in advance being like groundbreaking despite the fact that's something that like pretty much every <laughs> every yeah. artist does now um, in some capacity uh, and then just the idea of how media was consumed and how music criticism was you know really established uh you know, a reminder that any type of music publication just starts as a group of guys. Like, I love the story you told about Pitchfork. How yeah, just, it was a bunch of that was like, actually really cool. It's really cool and illuminating that just you know it become you know Pitchfork has become like a standard bearer for music, and it started as a bunch of people just writing about music. Um, so I loved that first person account because obviously I was alive during that time, but I was too young to really appreciate and know all this context. That being said. Um, when you have a first-person account, it's it's always an imperfect observer. You know, it's going to be told through their lens. You know, any narrative is going to be told a different way depending. On, like, if a different Radiohead fan wrote this book, they would have obviously told a different account. It probably would have been similar. It would have been a lot of overlap, but still, they have their own lens, their own way of viewing things. And in that sense, yeah, um, I felt like overall, if I'm if I really had to give like a yes no answer um he did a good job balancing like i'd say it was it was relatively 50 50 split but sometimes some parts of the book it did feel a little like specifically the part where he um basically did a mini music review in a way and i mean obviously the whole thing's a music review but when he specifically gave like his ideal track list of kid a and yeah. I personally yeah. didn't like that because I was like this. I almost thought about skipping over it, but then he ended up weaving in like quotes, you know, stuff that you know, quotes from York and whatnot, talking about, um, you know, talking about different tracks and whatnot. But just like, here's how I would re like something that it's like okay, I don't know, like just that was the, the yeah. most. That was the it, one it, example. It, it was a was little really fan servicey like, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Exact. That's a great way to put it. That was the one example. I mean, there were other examples throughout where I was like, okay, this is getting a little bit like, a little bit too, like, okay, so like memoir esque. But that, yeah, like, that or, particular or was like, like uh, that that whole section where he's talking about Vanilla Sky in relation to Kid A. Oh yeah, that that I, I kind of um, that I kind of. I mean, I thought it was interesting because I, I actually had not heard of Vanilla Sky. If I'm oh, being honest, uh, that's I, I was obsessed with that movie in high school. Um, like, and I actually agree with a lot of his thoughts about it. Um, and it was it, it was interesting on one end to really see his you know sort of how that film and this album connect in a way. Yeah. But also, I'm just like, okay, but like, come on, dude. 
Yeah, but it went on for a little on. long, and I, I, you know, other than the fact that they obviously use, um, use uh, everything in its right place in the movie. Um, yeah, I, I will say though that I the uh, so motion picture soundtrack the the finale of Kid A, uh, strangely enough, is like exactly how I view the end of Vanilla Sky. Oh, um, interesting. Like I could I could see that song playing at the end, but. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, and, and there is one other thing that I... I and I'm not going to pretend that this isn't going to sound pretentious because I just... I, I knew, <laughs> like, just thinking about how I was going to word this, like, coming up, I was like, I'm just going to sound like a dick. Uh, but well, wait, Hold on. Do you, you need to take your glasses off so you can put them on. <laughs> so I can... If this is, if this is a video... video uh, you know, if it was a video podcast, it definitely would, would make that motion. Um, well, I, I but, mean, you, you, we, can, we can still talk about it. <laughs> but there were some moments in this. It's just, I mean, there was a general sense throughout, but there were some specific moments where he really came across as a very standard, like almost vanilla music listener and like very, <laughs> very kind of like middle-of-the-road rock critic, like, some of his comments about things. Uh, the, the first example being, and this is a little nitpicky, but uh, when he talked about... He made the mention of how post-rock is, like, just not, not like, a genre anymore. I forget the exact quote, but he basically said, like, oh, it doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, th- that's just not true. Like, that's not... Yeah. Like, I mean, the, I, you could... Whether or not you think it's good anymore, whether or not you think every band is just doing, you know, Explosions in the Sky Part 2, but, like... There's plenty of post rock band, just like any, you know, the whole classic I, is you know punk is dead thing. Like, well, that's you know. I, I'm wondering whether his the thrust of his argument was more just at like aimed at the at the term post rock, as opposed to the actual music. Yeah, and it, it was it was also um, it was kind of the way he approached like the term post rock. Like some people say, like, what does that even mean? And I was like, I mean, I guess we can debate that, but at this point, it does have a very clear meaning like we could talk about like what does like what does alternative mean for example but like it just yeah. the way he talked about that genre was very much like okay so he's not like super in the know but the other thing that really like when he talked about is it Zeropa the U2 album like he, the way he talked he, about it he like, talked about a ton of U2 yeah which yeah. but the way specifically he talked about that album I had to listen to it I didn't listen to the full thing but I listened to specifically the one track he mentioned that was super experimental and I was I was just like is it though? <laughs> like, is, is it? Like, I mean, for for you too, sure. But like, in the grand scheme of things, I was like, I, this kind of just sounds like a like a slightly weird kind of '90s rock track. So, like, on the, I don't think that's necessary. Like, it didn't ruin the book for me, but definitely, um, it was. In some ways, it was refreshing. Like, I, I feel like um, you know. The rest is noise. That you could definitely peg him as a bit more of a bit more pretentious. Um, maybe, but again, he's a classical music critic, so like that's not that surprising. So it kind of it came from a slightly classical more, music critic. For the the, the 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 rest is noise, not. Oh oh you oh, you're you're talking about Alex Ross. Yeah, I would say just comparing to the la- last book we talked about, like he definitely oh, approached. Oh right, I- I'm sorry. I-, I guess I'm on a totally different planet right now. <laughs> no. But like, it just meant like, you know, him, you could kind of peg some of the way he wrote as, um, maybe not pretentious, but like a little bit more academic and whatnot. So in some, in some places, I admit, I found myself like having to reread some sections just because it was, 
it wasn't as personable. But whereas this, it was kind of the flip for me where like I felt I found this incredibly easy to read. Uh, I found him very likable. You know, I liked yeah. his voice. Uh, e- even the parts where it did get a little bit memoir-y, I still liked his storytelling, and it was interesting. Uh, I especially liked... Um, I always fuck up his name, but... Uh, uh, David Berman, right? From yeah. Silver Jews and Purple Mountain. Yeah. Like, that That was a really... I really liked that, when he talked about his conversation with him and kind yeah. of tying that into when a band starts this. Like, that was a really... At first, I was like, where's this going? But I thought that was a really nice tie-in and a really cool he, um, he brings in some really good parallels sometimes you know yeah, uh, especially exactly. when he's talking about it, it was really interesting because like I, I wouldn't expect Linkin Park and Radiohead to have anything similar but the way he was talking about their discography I'm like that's like very interesting yeah how, like yeah the, the, the like first three albums are like you know really successful you know really good rock you know well received and then their fourth one is just like their experimental one that you know may or may not flop depending on the band <laughs> yeah exactly um but but you know i guess to, to kind of tie this in a, in a knot um on the, on the other hand even though it was a bit you know easier to, easier to read and more engaging in that sense um it did feel like uh, it felt like we were different types of music listeners so it, it, yeah not, not necessarily but and again this is very much a you know where i'm coming from and where he's coming from but there's nothing wrong with how he listens to music obviously but sometimes I, I wondered the way he was writing about things it did make me think like okay like um do i have a slightly different view or, or you know like do i like do i have to take that with a grain of salt do i kind of not not agree that something is as experimental or whatnot but I think in general it was valuable to um, have someone who was obviously this invested in Radiohead throughout their whole career, because uh, that was my my biggest takeaway from this is just how how much of a cultural just from a music perspective just how much of a cultural shift that K-Day has enjoyed from an album yeah. that was was not I wouldn't say, I think saying it was like panned what it would be too strong. It, but, it, it was it was mixed, yeah. But the, something that was as mixed it is to as universally acclaimed as it is is quite a. It, it's quite a reversal, and it, it's fascinating to me how that happened. And also, it was interesting to me for as you know, like someone who, who is, I guess, I consider myself a music critic. Um, just the way that it. It, it changed with you know someone like Pitchfork, and, and I liked his line or his the line that really resonated with me was the Pitchfork is like the last important music publication, and I, th- I think he's kind of right. Like, yeah. what's what's the last magazine or online? Pl- I mean, obviously you you know Noise, Stereogum, like you have plenty of sites that talk about music that have come around new that are relevant, but nothing like nothing over what Pitchfork. Pitchfork started is a couple guys with a website and just, yeah, just the, again like the, 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 there's nothing like monolithic anymore when it comes to criticism you know like when it comes to those talking heads in criticism yeah exactly no, nothing that like rose from you know just kind of like a like a website um, up to like comparable to Rolling Stone it, it, it's interesting to me how I feel like in some ways his commentary on that just kind of his recollection of that is somewhat empowering that you know the reason that reason the pitchfork is is 
prominent is in some ways because they kind of just made it that way. They just they found their niche and then they grew from there, and, and that's just that's just how it is. And, and it reminded yeah. me of a, a video that um, I think he called the series like a like a reaction series, like re like ellipses action. Um, Fantana would just periodically respond to com like do full video length you know responses to different comments. Obviously now he's he's um, replaced it with his Let's Argue series, but you know someone commented and said that they you know, he's just a guy. Um, but to me, I, I feel like that that's that's kind of what any critic is. I mean, you know, yeah. obviously there there are people who are more well listened than other people. Like there are some guys. Like for example, if I tried to start a like like a power metal blog or like like specifically talking about power metal it'd be a fucking terrible blog because i don't like power <laughs> metal and i don't listen, like i don't know how to write about power metal because i don't like it you know for example or if if either of us you know, like if we started a polka podcast like it would be a fucking horrendous podcast because i don't even think i've actively listened uh, to polka excuse in my me life. speak for yourself scott <laughs> do you actually like polka i didn't mean no, to offend you I was uh, just, i'm just i'm totally I was gonna say, I, tried, I tried to pick a genre i was almost like guaranteed that you wouldn't like Scott. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Oh, yeah, I, I just... I mean, in general, like, the... I really did enjoy this book, too. I mean, even with my, you know, certain criticisms, misgivings about it, whatever. Um, yeah. I, I loved the... kind of the window or the time machine back into a world that added a lot of context and, and, and appreciation to an album that... I enjoy because it. it's it's impossible at this point to listen to, um, listen to Kid A in the way that it was received back then. So getting a, a pretty honest and upfront look at what that was like was 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 really fascinating. Yeah, I I'm with you. Like my my criticisms are really more just him, really taking things too seriously sometimes, and just sort of, um, always finding a way to bring sort of that 2020 you know uh political mindset into everything which just got mm. old after a while i mean i frankly I, i'm just so sick of people you know i'm just hearing people being like oh yeah we live in a dystopian it's like yeah but like if if we did like you wouldn't be able to even say that like they would shoot you before that but you know okay <laughs> uh like I, I i i get the point but it's just like i i'm just like i bought the book to read about music you know so and i i get that neither exists in a vacuum it's just that like you would think with a book about kid a it wouldn't feel so like loaded on that end of things though i you know i don't know but again positive outlook on this thing i i enjoyed it uh, i definitely i'll probably end up reading it again at some point it'll just be a while from now uh because just you know, you aren't going to find a better overview of, you know, not only the album, but just Radiohead's history in general. So, yeah, for um, sure. And I, you know, I, I think I understood, I was not surprised politics was in it's in this book. Uh, you know, I think yeah. everything's everything's fine in its right place. Um, but I really just going to let that one slide. I mean, I kind of yeah. shoehorned it in. Okay, anyway. Um, but <laughs> I, I definitely, you know, like you're, you're right, he didn't, um, he didn't outright say that, you know, the, the comments about the, he didn't out, like, outright make that link to, like, the 2020. Although, in some ways, he alluded to it only because, you know, ultimately, how do we get to 2020 if not the impetus of 
the 21st century, you know, I guess yeah. you could say, you know, like, you know, one thing leads to another. Um, but I thought, and again, this was, this is kind of outside of the, the music analysis, but I liked how we mentioned that, you know, the begin the beginning of each new decade and kind of each new period is not necessarily, you know, like 1970 or whatever, you know, the fact that, I mean, just, you know, but you said the JFK assassination, assassination happened a little bit into the, um, you know, into the decade and then, um, you know, like Vietnam in a way. Uh, I mean, I feel like for 2020, like not even 2020, but just the, you know, Donald Trump's election in a way is kind of a, a marker point in, in kind of oh, this yeah. era, era Definitely. Of, of whatever. Um, but I, I didn't appreciate his, uh, his perspective, the way that he took things um, forward into, uh, you know, forward, you know, just beyond just what happened in the early 2000s, but kind of like how it progressed yeah, there. Although... He, he definitely he, he does a good job of like you know when he does bring in those those other things like he does a good job of contextualizing it within sort of the narrative that he's spinning at mm-hmm. you know and like sort of bring it into context with you know Radiohead so like I I enjoy it on that part of it yeah, yeah. the the one thing I thought was interesting is just the way he covered um, different publications the way that they covered. Um, rock music especially the criticism of, of kid a specifically because it wasn't like the next oh, God. great the, rock album what, what, that they what, what was that was it i think it was enemy who did like they were talking about like oh it's 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 like just an example of like hi mom this is how i i, I can suck my own cock kind of like, oh, yes which is which... amazing i mean obviously it's it's <laughs> I, how are you even like, able to publish that actually uh, well i mean it's, it's, Britain, the, the brits are a little bit more loose i suppose um but I think my takeaway, or one of my takeaways from that, is like, man, the like modern musical discourse has changed so much because nowadays no one gives a flying fuck about who the next great rock band is. Like that's just not yeah. Like that's really not even in the like the the, the way that in a relatively short period of time, just the focus of of um, you, you could talk about how how hip hop has become such an incredibly dominant genre you know the whole idea of poptimism how pop has become more accepted the fact that metal is in a way kind of you know slowly creeping into prominence alongside or you know kind of like right right behind the tailcoats of, of rock and becoming its own respective yeah. genre um it, it's fascinating how these conversations like what's the last time a critic wondered like who the next u2 would be like like i mean maybe maybe rolling stone but like I don't know. I don't know, man. It was it, that was a really fascinating aspect. Oh, of oh no, of classic just, rock magazine. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> that too. Um, uh, but even even if he was kind of more of a like a normie or more kind of like a, a like kind of standard meat and potatoes rock critic, so to speak, uh, he definitely was very well listened and very like I felt. He definitely established himself as an expert in in this kind of genre niche and this kind yeah. of trajectory. Uh, and I'm also very interested to listen to The Strokes now, oddly enough, just because I also yeah. in other places had read about how they enjoyed a really significant cultural moment, which I also find I find interesting because I don't know much about them. You know, the Reptilia was on Guitar Hero, for example. I think, yeah, but that's pretty much my only experience yeah. with the Strokes. 
Exactly. But just the fact that they were as, I know that they're like super highly regarded. I'm like, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I would like to, I would like to dive into that a bit more. Um, we, we should do that at some point. Listen to the, is this it? Because like that, that's an album I've been wanting to listen to for a long time just because like, it's so well regarded, but I, I just, I have this feeling I'm just going to hate it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard a stroke song. I've, disliked necessarily but also i what i've heard has not made me like jump you know jump to listen if that makes yeah exactly we're middle ground where like everything i've heard like oh this is cool and i'm like i should listen to them and then i don't so it's just kind of like i guess it's not as uh you know not not as uh, not good enough to compel me to listen to it so yeah uh, all right well i think that's it for this book uh do you want to talk about albums of the week Yes, I would All indeed. Right. All right. Um, uh, what is your album of the week? <laughs> so, so, I I think I bought this before we were even um, before we were even going to to read this. So it, it's a. I'm pretty sure yeah, it was before you even mentioned it. So it's kind of interesting that I just happened to save it for this. Uh, this episode and it is Adams for Peace which is a uh, obviously you know like a project for Tom York it is the album uh, Amok which uh, well I mean that's their own that's why I didn't name it at first it's the only studio album they've done thus far Flea is on it (laughs) yeah and I just I happened to buy it in the I think it was in like the 399 bin at Newberry Comics. I was there a few weeks ago at this point. And then you just, you happen to mention, like, let's talk about this book. I'm like, oh, well, that's convenient. I guess I'll save that for my album of the week, see if I still enjoy it. I, I really do. You know, th- this is definitely, uh, I mean, he, he, the comments that Haydn made about, um, oh, what is it? The Eraser. for Beef? Oh, uh, the, the, oh. the Eraser, you know, Tom, Tom yeah. York's debut. Just reading that yeah. was very much that was very much my, my thoughts when I was listening to Adam's for Peace is that this felt like, I mean, in some ways when I was reading about, you know, the inspiration that Tom York had going into Kid A, just the, uh, the you know, his obsession with the warp and that label and, and those sounds. Um, and I just, I, I really liked it. And it was at first, and I think it's just because the Radiohead I've listened to is the, newer newer stuff that is a little yeah. bit more indebted to electronics but i was like i don't know this just kind of sounds like radiohead except maybe a little bit more electronic but after re-listening to especially you know pablo honey the Benz, okay computer this is definitely very distinctly a solo project for tom york it definitely is um is distinct from radiohead and i, I think it's it's really good it's definitely shows um I mean, you hear tones of Radiohead, but I kind of like that Tom York is a bit more front and center just because it's in, you know, inherently his his project. I like some of the things he does with his vocals there, maybe a tad different, or maybe it's just because he it's so much his his baby, he's letting himself let loose in a way, I suppose. But uh, really, really good album. And I just, I always, I always, I've always appreciated the cover art. I don't know, I just, I think it's really cool. My, my aunt actually bought this on vinyl at one point which is how i discovered it you know it was 
just really mm-hmm. striking cover that I thought was really really cool. You know, simple black and white, but you know, very you know, well drawn, very well designed. Um, and it only took several more years, but finally listened to it, and uh, yeah, that's really funny. Uh, yeah, I promise, total coincidence yeah. that I, I bought it. Well, that's the only Tom York project I actually haven't listened to. And actually, now that I think about that, I know it. I think with the exception of the Suspiria soundtrack that I don't own, um, you know, it's funny because I was actually thinking about talking about uh, Tomorrow's Modern Boxes as my album of the week, <laughs> uh, funnily enough, because it was like the last one I needed uh, that I, I just listened to it yesterday. But cool. um, I actually have a different one uh, because I, I, I just... I, I can't let this be all Radiohead, all, all Tom York. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I had this on today because I bought, as Scott knows, just a shit like ton of music, uh, of like a lot of ambient music, specifically from uh, the label Cranky. Um, and so a lot of uh, just, just Tim Hecker and Stars of the Lit albums. But uh, Tim Hecker's, uh, was it, Harmony and Ultraviolet? Uh, mm-hmm. I had that on today. Really enjoyed it. Uh, can't wait to listen to it again. Um, you know, I, I guess I, I probably have to elaborate just a little, but <laughs> I, I find it really interesting. Uh, I think two points. One, how Hecker, you know, really straddles the line sort of between being like an electronic producer and a composer. Uh, mm, because yeah, everything absolutely. that he everything that he makes has just such purpose and like just meticulous detail to it um and i just love that aspect of it but then two i i love how he's able to sort of take um sounds that aren't exactly associated with ambient in or at least sort of the traditional definition of ambient music and really make them work like you know i'm talking about like the, the, there are parts in harmony and ultraviolet parts in uh virgins as well um that you know have like a lot of noisy parts like that like border on like almost harsh noise um you know i love streams actually the 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 lead single from that was was especially noisy now that i remember now i think about it um you know he even does this he did this collaboration with uh daniel lopatin uh i think it was called like instrumental tourist that was pretty close to harsh noise as well but he manages to like sort of take it and sculpt it in a really, really beautiful way. But, you know, even beyond the noise, like, you know, uh, some of the instruments that he's using, you know, are just not like sort of the use of them are just not what I've expected from ambient music and or, you know, from music that could be considered ambient, I guess. Uh, and it's just really impressive to sort of hear how he does what he does. So, yeah. Yep. I, I mean, he definitely, um, he writes my preferred style of ambient music in a way that I, I mean, I, I love the, the long extended, you know, drone, yeah. re- repetitive compositions. I mean, those definitely have those, their place, but I, that was something that struck me so much about, um, uh, you know, Virgins was my introduction to him. It's just, if it, it, it was weird given my background in ambient music to hear, an album that felt like it had real songs. Like it just, it, it was, they were like, mm. it flowed like an album versus like when, for me, Amy music was just, okay, let me put this on and vibe out. But that I felt like I could pay attention and, and, um, you know, really dive into the, 
the textures of what was going on. And he, I mean, it, it helps that he's just such an incredible, incredible um, composer. Uh, what? what, yeah. what um, I'm sorry. What album did you pick for album of the week? Is a harmony and ultraviolet? I, I thought so. Yeah, I have that yeah. on vinyl and. Sometimes electronic music, the way it's pressed on vinyl for it, like I had, I think I still do. Maybe I sold it. I had, I had post on on vinyl by Bjork, and it just it really didn't sound good. It sounded kind of, I guess, thin is the best word to put it. It was also a really like literally a very thin piece of of vinyl. Like whatever the pressing was, it was not great. Mm-hmm. So I bought it on CD because I was like, I just don't like how this sounds. But just the sound, and it almost lends it to the your comments about being a composer in a way. It just it feels like a very rich, well-produced classical album. Just the way that it, it rolls out, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, on, it, on it's vinyl. a great piece of work. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, and we will be back next week. Yeah, thanks as always. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.